Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Metal Mike. And in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, I'm joined by Rob Wilde from Midnight City. And together, we put the 8 in 80s Kiss plus Revenge by doing a non-makeup Kiss album ranking. Not only do we rank the albums from 83 to 92, but we talk the tours, the videos, and the images the band tried during this time. Make sure you watch the screen as the album rankings start. There's so many cool pictures that pop up. And look in the description for links to all that Midnight City has going on. Check it out. It's only right now. Rob, welcome back to the 80s Glam Metal Cast, man. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you. Oh, man, I'm doing awesome. Well, hey, we survived 2020, so let's think uh, positive thoughts here for 2021. Oh, let's hope so, mate. Let's hope so. It can't be any worse, can it? So, uh, yeah, things can only get better, mate, you know? Yes, I agree with you. So we had been talking online, and and I had done a few podcasts that were KISS-themed, but they mostly focused on the makeup era of KISS. And uh, you kind of gave me the idea of why don't we do one of the non-makeup era. So that's our plan for this podcast. We're just going to go through all the albums, the tours, the different looks, the different hairstyles, the videos, and just have a lot of fun with uh, 80s Kiss. Does that sound like a plan? Oh, that sounds awesome, mate. That sounds awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, well, hey, before we jump in, why don't you get us up to speed with what's going on with Midnight City? Um, well, actually, things are actually starting to pick up again. Um, a new album, uh, the pre-sales for our new album, Each Can't Scratch, start on January 15th. So, uh, that's, that's just a couple of weeks away. Um, so I can't give away the actual release date at the minute, but you'll find out the, the exact release date on January 15th. But there's going to be a, a lot of really cool pre-order stuff going up. There's going to be, um, uh, different bundles available with CD, uh, an album t-shirt. Um, the album's actually going to be coming out on red and uh, silver vinyl as well. And there's, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. So that's happening uh, January 15th um, with, our, with our record, our new record label, uh, Roulette Media. And, um, and also the week after that, January the 22nd, is the release of our first single and first video of the new album. So uh, we the video's done. Looks, looks absolutely killer. That's going to be coming out January 22nd. And then we've got another three videos actually coming out before the, before the album comes out. Um, so, so lots of stuff happening. Um, we also have shows uh, booked from sort of May onwards next year, which we're hoping will happen. Um, so we're keeping everything crossed that uh, those shows will happen. But, uh, yeah, it's all exciting. We're all, all ready to go, and uh, we you know, can't wait for everybody to hear uh, a new album. Awesome, man. I'm excited for it. I can't wait. So let's do a couple uh, icebreakers before we jump right in. Uh, what's the first Kiss album you ever bought? Crazy Nights. Crazy Nights. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm Asylum. Yeah. I'm the one before. So so right around the same time. So pretty similar. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was kind of um, how I discovered Kiss was really through, because um, I was 10 when Crazy Nights came out. So Bearing in mind, obviously, growing up in England, very different to growing up in the States, and we didn't have MTV and all that kind of stuff. So the only bands that I was really sort of aware of were bands that were having, you know, chart success here in the UK, which were, you know, for the most part, the big bands, you know, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard. And uh, Kiss, unbelievably, I mean, uh, I know that the Crazy Nights album and, and the Crazy Nights single wasn't that big in the States, but in the UK, it actually, the single actually got to number four. In, wow. the, in the singles charts, which was sort of like unheard of for a rock band. So, um, and the album did great. I think the album it, uh, was number four as well. So it was a big hit over here. So that was my sort of introduction to, to, to Kiss because, you know, I'd never heard heard of them before. I didn't know anything about the makeup or anything. I just, when I heard Crazy Nice and I saw the video, I kind of thought, ah, they kind of look like an older version of Bon Jovi, you know, and it kind of <laughs> sounded like Bon Jovi, which was kind of like, you know, what that album was. So, uh, to me, it was just kind of like another cool band that kind of sounds like Bon Jovi, and it wasn't until I kind of dug a little bit deeper and uh, 
and found out about this huge history of the band and you know the, the makeup and everything and that was that was it but uh but yeah crazy nights is my first album it's funny because uh i actually knew about kiss back in the early days even though i didn't really know that they i didn't understand that they were musicians i had a um aunt that lived in our house with us and she was big into the bgs and she was big into kiss and she'd show me all these pictures of gene and paul you know the whole band and i just thought they were superheroes i was probably only four years old at the time when she lived with us so i didn't really understand i don't know if i ever heard any of their music or understood that they were musicians but that was the first time i knew who kiss were but then later on like i said i think 1986 i bought um asylum on cassette used and uh and i think also at that time was that's when we got mtv and i think the first video i saw was uh tears are falling so your first video was crazy nights that you saw yeah yeah it's great crazy nights and then um reason to live was was next that that charted in the uk as well i didn't it didn't do as well as crazy nights but that still charted i think like top 30 in the uk and uh so after hearing those two i i, I went out and bought uh, crazy nights on cassette and uh, it was really funny actually because I, I had a, an, old, an older neighbor who used to, to live close by and he was like a, a good five or six years older than me and he was a, a big, big rock fan. He was into, you know, Kiss and Wasp and Dokken and all that kind of stuff. And when he heard that I was listening to Crazy Nights, he was like, he freaked out and he's like, nah, that's not the real Kiss. You've you got to listen to this. And he, and he loaned me... Um, uh, Alive 2 on vinyl wow. you know the gatefold sleeve and of course like a million kids you know I was a little bit late to the party but uh, like a million kids I opened that vinyl and it was just like oh my god what is this yeah so uh, so that that was when I then started getting into you know he he would loan me albums from like the 70s stuff and even though I, I my introduction was the 80s and I still like uh, you know I, I like 80s kids just as much as 70s kids probably a little bit more really but uh it was through him that i kind of delved back and and started you know i had something like 15 albums to, to buy you know to, to backtrack from, from crazy nights but uh but yeah it was the same thing you know i i didn't when i first heard crazy nights you know to me it was just another rock band i didn't know about the you know the star child and the demon and the whole <laughs> the stage show and everything which was so fascinating when you discover that for the first time you know it's like star wars you know it's, it's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah i mean because i think with all of us you know i talked to some guys the other night i did a podcast and they kind of said you know how did you get into this music or how did this all start and it was weird and you could probably relate because we, we've talked about toys and stuff i mean you figure when when i'm in you know we're eight nine years old you know the all the 80s toys, Star Wars, Thundercats, He-Man, G.I. Joe, it's all characters, right? So then once you get into yeah. music and you see these guys, even, you know, you can look at Motley Crue, Blackie Lawless, Alice Cooper, they're all characters. But when you discover Kiss, it's like, holy shit, man. These are like alive superheroes here that you can get into. So it is. It's like all your, everything that you're into kind of morphed into one thing. It's amazing. Yeah, I think that's like a big reason why a lot of, like, Boy, little boys are into Kiss, you know, because of that. Not only the music, but like you're saying, you know, you you, you superhero characters, and you know, because I had all those, you know, I was a, a massive collector of all the Star Wars stuff, and then the He-Man stuff, and it was kind of like an, like you say, an extension of that, yeah. but also with this incredible music as well. So it was a, a win-win. No doubt. Well, we've got to discuss these albums, and we've got to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly, just like Paul Stanley says, right? And we know there's a little bit of that on every album. So we got to start. They take the makeup off, 1983, lick it up. Why don't you go first? Give your rating out of uh, out of the uh, six albums that we're going to talk about and what you think, um, what's the highs and the lows of this album? Right. Well, you're going to be surprised by this. It, it, it's kind of it's going to get better, but I actually this is ranked uh, as number five. Look it up. It, it's weird because I, like I said, when I, I bought Crazy Nights, and then um, I think the next album I bought after that was uh, Smashes, Slashes, and Hits, which came out in '88. Yep. And then you know I, I got uh, after my friend loaned me Alive Two. I bought that on cassette, and then I would sort of backtrack and kind of. Uh, but I did do it in any order. So like one year, you know, for, for my birthday and Christmas every year, I'll get a different cassette. So it might be Rock and Roll Over, and then it might be Animalized, and it might be the first album, then it might be, um, you know, a master or whatever. So I didn't really buy them in any order. But I remember getting Lick It Up probably around, mm, around maybe 80, 88, 89. So... 
uh, not long after I, I discovered the Crazy Nights album, um, I, I thought he was okay. I think, you know, for me, there's a couple of really standout songs on the album, um, but I wasn't, I wasn't blown away by it. And it's, it's kind of one of those albums that still today is kind of, I actually listened to it not long ago, and it kind of, um, I don't know, there, there's, some, there's some good songs on it. Uh, it it's not my favorite um, non-makeup Kiss album. Um, but, you know, it was quite an even album, you know, in terms of the, the Paul and Gene songs. And, um, you know, some of the Gene stuff is, is pretty good on this album, which we can't really be, that can't really be said for a lot, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that will uh, follow on uh, further albums. But um, to me, I mean, A Million to One is, is the standout track of the album um, by, by, by a long way. Um, and uh, I really like Lick It Up, the song. I think it's a great kind of 80s kiss anthem that's still in the, uh, still in the set list today. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not one of my, it, it, it wouldn't rank as one of my favorites. But how about you? Uh, you know, I'm not ranking it very high either. I rank it at four. Um, I've never been head over heels over this album. I think I like it more as time goes on. But something about it, it just has a weird vibe. It doesn't really feel like Kiss to me. I don't know, something about it. And um, and I think yeah. and I think the problem is is and you probably you kind of touched on this a little bit as well. It's kind of metal, you know. It's a little bit more metallic than Kiss usually does. And I think when Kiss does that, Paul kind of suffers. I don't think Paul thrives in the the metal environment, but Gene does. And that's what you said. I think Gene songs kick ass. I like Gene songs a lot. I love Not for the Innocent on the Eighth Day, Dance yeah. All Over Your Face. Those are really cool songs. And Lick It Up as well. I think that is the only song that kind of feels like it could be a classic Kiss song. You know what I mean? Like it's got pop sensibility and classic rock kind of written out. Yeah. But the rest of the songs, but but what I will say compared to some of the other albums, it has, I mean, the songs are good. There's, there's a lot of good songs. You can't go through and say, oh, that song's horrible. I don't think there's horrible songs. They just don't all feel very Kiss to me. And I think that's Vinnie Vincent's influence. He, he's a great writer, but I, I think he brings an element that's kind of non-Kiss in some respects. So that's that's my yeah. thoughts on it. I, I agree. I agree with that. I think, you know, it was kind of, you know, they were coming out of the, the Creatures album. So which the, the Creatures album, which I love, by the way. I love that but, too. <laughs> yeah, that was quite, quite a, a metal-sounding album as well. So they kind of went over, they carried that theme on into Lick It Up and but the, the whole Vinnie Vincent thing, like, again, that's another whole other conversation. But, like, I, I was never, you know, you have these Kiss fans that constantly say, you know, he saved Kiss and all this. And I just never bought into him at all. Um, I thought he was, you know, he was a good guitar player. He, he really overplayed everything. Yep. Uh, and it's kind of, I don't know, I've just never really bought into, you know, even, you know, his solo stuff, you know, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion albums. I have both of those, and I, I hate both of them. <laughs> I, I was never really a big fan of, of him. I thought he was completely a wrong choice for Kiss, and I, I get why they got him in because it was, you know, it was the early eighties, so they were kind of trying to compete with, you know, Eddie Van Halen and all those guitar players. So they kind of needed that fast shredder guy, but I, I just think he was totally wrong for Kiss. And, and like you said, I think he's a, a big part of the Lick It Up album. You know, I think he, I think he co-wrote about. It's like eight of the ten songs on yeah. this album. So yeah, he did. Yep. He's a massive. So you're, you're buying on with the fact that you know it doesn't sound like a Kiss album because you know it, it kind of is more like a, a Vinnie Vincent thing with you know Gene and Paul. That's kind of how it sounds to me. But um, but uh, yeah, but I actually think, like you said, I, th- I think the Gene stuff is, which like I said, I'll never say this about any of the Kiss albums. But I think the Gene stuff is probably. Slightly better than the Paul stuff on this album, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah. so yeah, I think you're bang on with that analogy there. Yeah, man. See, you and I—that's that, why we have these good conversations. We're on the same wavelength here. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> All right. So, Animalize. What do, what do you got? What do you got for Animalize? Animalize for me uh, comes in at number four. Okay. So um, uh, this this album when, when it first came out, <clears throat> like I said, I you know I did I didn't actually have it when it came out, but I got this sort of fairly into my sort. Of Discovery of Kiss, and I wasn't over keen on this album either. But over the years, I, I've really grown to like this album a lot. Um, apart from the, there's, there's a couple of songs, you know what I'm going to say, but <laughs> one's obviously Burn Bitch Burn, but yeah. the other one is is possibly without doubt not only Gene's worst song, Kiss's worst song, but possibly the, the worst song of all time is is Lonely as a Hunter. I, I don't know what's <laughs> going on there. <laughs> 
Um, and you have to question, you know, if if that's you know what what how bad were the other songs that he brought to the table? If that was <laughs> one of the ones used on the album, you got to question those. Yep. But, um, apart from the two, those two Gene songs, uh, the other two, you know, um, Murdering High Heels and While the City Sleeps, I think are cool Gene songs. And I love everything on this from from Paul. Yeah, I think uh, you know this is one of those albums where he was, you know, he he. I think it was around this time when Gene started going off and doing the Hollywood thing and doing movies. And by all accounts, this was pretty much, you know, a Paul Stanley, pretty much a Paul Stanley solo album, really, yeah. with with very little input from uh, Gene. Uh, I think everything that Paul does on this is great. Um, Thrills in the Nights, my uh, my standout song on this on this album, but everything. I think um, you know. Uh, Get All You Can Take is great. Uh, Heaven's On Fire is another massive sort of Kiss 80s anthem. Yep. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, it's really grown on me over the years. At the time when I, when I first bought it, I wasn't all that keen on it, but I much prefer, I much prefer this to um, Lick It Up. Um, even though it is still quite, you know, it's still quite metal in places, um, but I think the songs are better on. I think Paul, especially Paul, Paul's just back on the, back on the map on this album, but Again, that was because, um, possibly because Vinnie wasn't involved with it. You know, Vinnie had gone and you had Mark St. John coming in to play guitar. So again, it was a different sort of dynamic in the band, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much close to you. I'm rating it as the five uh, out, of the, out of the six. Uh, if, and once again, there's some really good high points. Like I said, Paul, you're right. Paul's stuff is great. I mean, Heaven's on Fire is a played out song, but I realize that it's a, it's a, it's a good hit. You know, it's a hit song. And Thrills in the Night, obviously, too, is probably one of my favorites. But, you know, you're spot on. The Gene stuff's terrible. And actually, I picked two other songs that I can't really stand. as the final songs. I hate those two songs. While the City Sleeps and Murder in High Heels. I just think they're just throwaway, stupid songs. And, um, yeah, I think that's – and I think the problem with this album, there's a couple problems. Obviously, still, like I said, still they're still holding on to some of that metallic stuff, and they're not – fully embracing more like the rock sound which they need to get to but um they they suffer from not having a real producer i think paul he he's a good producer but you know i think you needed somebody who was going to really veto a lot of this crap that that found its way on there but all in all they're getting more comfortable as being 80s kiss at this point so it's, it's a good in the step of their evolution but yeah overall just too many dud songs on there yeah yeah i like i said i, I prefer it to lick it up but uh you know it's 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 yeah, it's 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 a grower for me. It's always it you know it's it's grown on me over the years. I, I think I, I think another reason why I like it as well is because it it was around the time when uh, I got um, years later, obviously, but I got the uh, the, the live uncensored, yeah. you know, the uh, the VHS, that rules, which was yeah. obviously on the, <laughs> the yeah the on it. The, this is the animalized tour, so I think that's kind of why I've got a little bit of a soft spot for it as well. So yeah, probably a bit of that in there. Well, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like I love that concert. I think that's amazing. All the stage raps and the high speed versions of the songs. And you're right. Sometimes those live tours dictate how you feel about the album. Yeah, and I'm, and that'll come up for me a little bit later. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so Asylum. What are your thoughts on Asylum? Right, so Asylum for me is coming in at number two. Um, yeah, I, I really like, and I still really like Asylum. Um, I think this is kind of, um, this is kind of like they, they changed again, I think, a little bit, style, obviously image-wise in a, in a big way, but um, even musically, I think this was sort of like the first kind of kind of venture into trying to do the, the whole 80s hair metal thing, yeah. whereas kind of like... Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up are very similar in that they're kind of the metallic sort of sort of metal approach to what they were doing. Kind of animalizes sort of got a little a foot in either 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 category. And I think uh, Asylum is before they went full on pop metal for Crazy Nights. This was kind of almost like dipping the toe in it and and, and checking the water out. And uh, I absolutely love this album. Um, I loved it when I when I bought it, and I still love it. I think. Um, I, I actually love every song on this album. I think even the, the Gene stuff's great on yep. there. Um, whereas he seemed, I'm sure that, I mean, this was 85 when Asylum came out. So, I mean, Gene was still doing his movies and he was still doing the Hollywood thing. But he seems, even though I don't think he was fully back into doing the Kiss thing, but he seems a bit more focused on this album than he did on Animalize, mm -hmm. where, you know, his, his stuff on Animalize seems like phoned in. 
Um, whereas on this album, I actually, I actually like, you know, um, pretty much all the, all the Gene stuff. And again, you know, Paul just absolutely killing it with, you know, King of the Mountain and Tears Are Falling. Uh, all, all Night, I think is uh cheesiest song ever, but what an anthem that was, yep, you know? It was yep. just a full-on kind of, almost like a rock and roll all night of, for the 80s sort of thing. And um, so I, I was a big fan of this album, still am. Uh, um, again, I think you touched on it on, on the last one that I think it probably could have used uh, a, a good producer. Um, I don't think um, the, the overall kind of sound of the album's all that great. Um, but I think the songs are really, really cool. And um, and I'm one of the only people that thought that the whole, the image thing was, was also really cool. <laughs> uh, it was so over the top and so sort of like Vegas and, and colorful. And, and yes, Gene looked ridiculous, but there was just something about it that I absolutely loved that whole, whole thing they were doing, I thought was, was great. So I'm, I'm not only a fan of this album, but I'm a fan of the, the tour and just everything about Asylum, I think it's really, really cool. I, I love it. Yeah, like I said earlier, this was the first Kiss album I ever bought, so obviously I'm very biased. Uh, this could have been number one. If we were just doing 80s albums, this would be number one. So I think I just put a spoiler out there. But So, I, so I've got Asylum at two, just like you. Um, I think Kiss seemed more comfortable in their skin, and I feel like there's elements of the 70s Kiss, and you touched on that too, like Rock and Roll All Night, and, and I feel, you know with All All Night, I feel like there's elements of 70s Kiss working their way into 80s Kiss on this album, and that's a good thing. I mean, they can't you can't shut out your past you know what i mean so i feel like there's a little bit of that 70s vibe that's kind of filtered in there here and there um you're right gene songs yeah. are 100 percent better my favorite probably one of my favorite gene songs out of any of the 80s albums is trial by fire i can't believe they didn't release that song i think that song is such a cool anthem and paul's yeah. singles are gold i mean this you can see as you know from animalized to here paul's got he knows how to write a hit song and i mean tears are falling is incredible um uh, who wants to be lonely like i said even, i know all night is cheesy but i just like that song it's wicked catchy and like i said it does it reminds me of 70s kiss in the 80s kind of so it's it's cool even stuff like king of the mountain um the uh solos too what an improvement and we didn't touch much on mark st john but i've never been huge into mark st john and bruce kulik was just like a breath of fresh air way better guitar player yeah i, I agree i mean I, and uh, asylum is obviously the the first album that bruce played on you know apart from doing i think he did a couple, a couple of solos um on animalized yeah. but this is the, the first album that he played played on the whole thing and you know he he i always thought that um i mean you can't be ace for 70s kiss no, no one's ever gonna nope. you know, he, he's just classic those this the solos are so simple but they're, they're so memorable um but it's you know in terms of 80s kiss bruce was just the absolute perfect choice because you know, he could shred and he could do all the guitar heroics and, and all the whammy bar stuff when he needed to, but also he could do really sweet, melodic guitar solos, you know, like the Tears of Falling solos, incredible, you know. So he, he was one of those guys that, and, and they're quite hard to find, especially in, in lead guitar players, especially for that genre of music where they know sort of when to play and, and when not to play, you know, whereas, whereas Vinnie Vincent was the exact opposite. I yeah. think every, every time a solo came up, it was like, okay, now it's time. Forget about the song. It's it, about how fast I can play and, and look at how many notes I can play, which is just kind of, after a while, it just gets really boring, you know? So, uh, whereas Bruce had that great kind of best of both worlds where he could, he could do all the, the fast shredding stuff, but, he also knew when to rein it in it as well. And uh, I just felt for just his character as well, he didn't really try and overshadow, you know, Paul and Gene. And he kind of, I think he just knew where he, where he, his place was in the band. And yeah. I thought um, Bruce was a perfect guitar player for Kiss. And, and one of the reasons why I think this Asylum album is so good uh, is because it's a lot to do with, with Bruce. Who I, I think Bruce actually co-wrote quite a few songs on this as well. So, uh, I think he was a big part of this album, you know. Yeah, and one person you know we haven't mentioned, which we should, is Eric Carr. I mean, obviously Eric Carr did, has done some killer drums on all the '80s Kiss albums. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna go out there and say this is probably 
uh, his last great performance on a Kiss album, in my opinion. I feel, and it's not his fault, it's just the material. I think as the material gets simpler, he didn't really get to do all that, those crazy fills and those huge things that he does. So I'd say right here is probably the last time we saw like really crazy killer drums from Eric Carr. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, he was kind of, as as the album sort of progressed and they kind of got more, like you said, he and the, the pop metal sound is a much more simpler sound. So, you know, um, yeah, Eric was doing more of his kind of uh, drum heroics on kind of like the, the Animalized album. And, and like I said, they kind of went on to this album as well. Uh, and his, his uh, drum solo on this tour was incredible. That was when he first started using the... Uh, the Simmons pads and the, mm-hmm. the synthesizers and stuff during his during his drum solo. Um, I've got like a load of, of bootlegs from this tour, and um, yeah, he, his his drum solo on the Asylum tour was uh, just insanely good. So yeah, can't forget Eric. Welcome to the Gene Simmons Wings Halftime Show. Hey man, we're halfway and I think it'd be a perfect time to take a break and talk about the interesting hairdos, wigs, and all the crazy stuff, at least that Paul and Gene were wearing throughout this era. So uh, (laughs) I'm saying, for the most part, I think Lick It Up is probably the last time we saw Gene's real hair for the most part. You agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, (laughs) if you look at the Lick It Up video, uh, that's definitely his hair, I think. And yeah. I think it was around that time. I think it was uh, no, it was eight, eighty-four when he did uh, the Runaway movie, wasn't it? So yeah. that was when he completely cut his hair off, and he was wearing the um, the really awful wig during the Animalized <laughs> Live Uncensored. <laughs> well, you know what? I don't know, man. I think he looks cool in that video. I don't know. Probably because once again, that I was just a young kid, and I saw that, and that was probably like the first Kiss concert like on video that I ever saw. So to me, even, I know the wig is bad, but I think he looks cool. I don't know. That, maybe it's just me. Yeah. His outfit, his, his outfit was quite cool. Cause they, they kind of, around that time around the animal eyes tour, they were kind of doing that whole, obviously they had all the animal print and stuff. It, yeah. it, it was also, it was kind of very, ma- it was a very macho sort of look, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it was almost at times bordering on like the Manowar kind of thing with just like, Oh yeah. The, you know, the leopard print and the, the zebra print and everything, and uh, I think Gene's outfit was cool. Like, it was just his wig. <laughs> you know, it's kind of weird. Bad. <laughs> I, I, I suppose you know. I mean, uh, when you look at you know how his hair looks in the in the uh, the Runaway video, there's no way he could have. No. Uh, sorry, the Runaway movie. There's no way he could have gone on stage looking like that. So uh, you know, he he did his best. Bless him. You know. <laughs> but oddly enough, say this is what kind of perplexes me about the whole thing is. There's times where I think you see his real hair, and there's times where he's wearing a wig. Because uh, if you fast forward to the Tears Are Falling video, his hair looks very similar than it did at Lick It Up. He has no bangs. Um, but then when you get to yeah. the Who Wants to Be Lonely video, he has giant hair. He has giant bangs. It's not even the same kind of uh, you know texture of his hair that you're used to seeing. So you can tell it's a wig. It was kind of odd when he cho- chose to wear one and when he chose not to wear one. It was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bang on because it's kind of yeah. You, you would think he would be kind of trying to be consistent. Either okay, I'm going to wear a wig for all of these videos, or I'm not going to wear a wig for any of them. It was like you say, he's, he's almost like maybe he just showed up and you know he opened his flight case and his wig wasn't in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like, well, weird. we got to we got to shoot we got to shoot this video. Let's let's just go with it, you know. Yeah, it's weird because he even there's a lot. If you go through YouTube and obviously now. And I think why we think of this and know about it now is because everything's documented, right? You can Google every year of Gene Simmons. You can see what he looked like every year of his life. You can go on YouTube and watch interviews of every year. And when you do that, you're seeing, you know, he's got these, he's got no bangs. He's got no hair basically on the top or he's got a giant hair on the top. So, you know, that's when you kind of see these differences. And a lot of those interview shows they did, you know, they went on like Oprah and they went on all these crazy shows in like 86, 87. And a lot of times he didn't wear the wig. He just had the you know, the no bangs type look. Yeah. It, it was very, very inconsistent really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, maybe he just thought nobody would notice, you know, obviously right. he, he wouldn't have been aware of the, the birth of the internet at that point. So. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> if right. He had maybe, he would have maybe re, rethought his strategy a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, when you think about Paul, once again, I think he was, had, we were seeing his real hair probably I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I know I want to say 
lick it up, animalize, maybe asylum. But then I think after that point, I think we're seeing some additions to his hair. What do you think? Like some plugs or some, uh, you know, clip on here. Yeah, or something? He, he was I, I, um, crazy nights. Um, I, I think for the most part in, in the videos that that was that was his hair. Okay, and he certainly. Um, I, I've got I, a DVD of um, uh, Kiss in Japan in, in '88, and that's definitely his hair because he's he's kind of like there's not a great deal going on there, especially when he starts getting hot. <laughs> starts getting hot, and then kind of almost sort of overnight, he's, he, I, I saw some some other live you know live videos and interviews where he's definitely got like extensions in so he's mm-hmm. wearing sort of you know he's it, it's his hair but he's the, the kind of the, it's a lot longer and it's there's a lot more hair on his head so i think he started sort of wearing the extension thing uh around the crazy night tour and then you know definitely on hot in the shade yeah and revenge um it's but um, but yeah, and, and back to the gene thing. I think uh, Crazy Nights. He was obviously definitely wearing a wig again. Oh, that's a strange but then when one. He got yeah. onto the, uh, when he got onto uh, the Hot in the Shade tour, I think again that's that's Gene's real hair at that point. So uh, I think, but that was probably because he stopped doing all the movies and stuff, you know. So yeah. I think uh, yeah. But in, 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 as far as Paul goes, I, I think probably halfway through the Crazy Nights tour, he started to wear the. Uh, were the extensions i think yeah yeah you know well this is an interesting question now and then we'll, we'll we'll jump back into the albums after this one what if you had out of all these albums what do you think their best look was oh that's a that's a that's a good question I, it's it's a tough one because i i absolutely love the 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 asylum look i mean like i mean gene did look absolutely ridiculous yes. but there was just something you know i mean we've talked before i'm such a big glam fan and Poison and, and you know and all those bands and I was so into that look and I I, I just thought it was just so colourful and such such great something great to look at as well as the music so I really like the asylum look um, Crazy Nights was kind of a little bit toned down from that um, I, I always thought Gene looked good um, during the Crazy yeah. Crazy Nights tour pretty much just wore leather yeah yeah he was going back. Going to just black leather and, and you know the, the kind of the leather pants and the and the leather kind of cut off jackets and stuff. Um, I, uh, Paul looked a little bit odd during that period. Yeah. He was wearing those kind of weird, almost like you know multicolored tights and then those kind of moon boots that he, <laughs> yes. he, he used to yep. he used to wear and uh, with the bicycle uh, reflectors. I always thought Paul looked a little bit odd. Um, during during the uh, the crazy night, but you know we all we all wanted those moon boots at the time, you know. Oh, of course, I wanted some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely wanted some. Yeah, um, it will be the asylum uh, mm. look, which for me is as a, a full on like hair metal glam fan. I, I'm going to go with asylum. Nice. Uh, I was, how about you? I was going to go. I was thinking about revenge. But, you know, a lot of people made some comments, and I kind of agree with them. They're like, Kiss is trying really hard to be look like tough guys, and they're not really tough guys at this point. They're like rich guys. But So I'm going to go with, like, the live hot in the shade look. I think that that was the most just kind of – I know it's in the middle. It's not really outrageous, but I just think they look cool. Like, you can look back – and here's the, why I like it. You can go back and look at that tour book. And if you saw somebody wearing some of that stuff today, you'd be like, yeah, that, that's doable. And where you know, even though Asylum, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, it's so outrageous. I mean, if you saw somebody out today or a band wearing that shit, you'd be like, it'd be questionable. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to go with that Hot in the Shade tour look. I, I think that's their best. Yeah. Well, hey, this is where I think this this final half here, I think this is where we're going to butt heads at least on a couple. But I think I already know where you rank Crazy Nights. But go ahead. Tell everybody. <laughs> Yeah, you know it, mate. Yeah, it's coming in number one for me. Yeah, it's. Uh, but I think I think um, there's a few reasons for this. I, I think uh, I think everybody's first Kiss album is. You, you always kind of. That's always going to be one of yep. your favorites, if yep. not your favorite. You know, with the, the 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 album that introduced you to the band, which you know for me was Crazy Night. So, but you know, also for me, you know, I've always been really into keyboards. You know, I, I loved, um, you know, I, I loved the early Bon Jovi stuff and, you know, bands like Danger Danger and and I was always big into keyboards. So, um, obviously, there's a, an absolute ton of keyboards on this album. 
And obviously, you know, Desmond Charles involved. Yep. He's, he's my favorite songwriter of all time. And there's Diane Warren involved. And to, to me, it was just, I mean, obviously, it was completely Kiss selling out. There is absolutely no two ways about that. There's no <laughs> argument about it. But in a way, you can kind of see why they, they, they did this. Because, you know, you look at all the bands who they inspired, you know, whether it be, you know, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, uh, Motley Crue, Poison, all these bands who were clearly influenced by Kiss, not just in the, the, the sound, but also the stage show and everything. And all these bands just completely took over Kiss. And whereas Kiss was selling, you know, going gold for the most part, or maybe having a platinum album, you know, you've got like Def Leppard selling like 12 million and Bon Jovi doing that. Even, even Poison selling like 6 million copies for Open Up and Say Ah. And, and Kiss is it, just trailing so far behind it so you know you can kind of see the the reasoning and i think okay well we've got to we've got to you know compete with these guys so we've got to kind of you know try and sound like these guys which is you know what they did and also you know getting ron nevison in, involved to produce it you'd obviously um completely rejuvenated heart's career you know which was obviously another band from the 70s um you know, and who were pretty much over and done with. And then he got involved and did that massive Heart album in 85. And they became this massive, massive band. And, you know, he did a, a really good album for Ozzy and got Ozzy's first sort of kind of hit, kind of single sort of thing we shot in the dark. So it was a totally calculated move on Kiss's part. But, you know, you can see why they, they did it. And um, I personally think that they did a really good job of it. You know, and I, I know it's, it's one of those albums that I know a lot of Kiss fans absolutely hate, but I just thought they did it really, really well. So, uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this album. I, I love it, you know. All right. Are you ready for my number? <laughs> it, go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So I, I put it at six. No, but let me start with the positives. Ah. Let me start with the positives. I think Turn On The Night is the best song on the album. I, I love Turn On The Night. Reason to Live is a great song. I even think Gene's got some good ones on here. I think Good Girl Gone Bad, Thief in the Night, Hell or High Water. Those are good songs. Uh, so let me start with some of the negatives. I, I don't like Gene's voice on this album. I think they've kind of neutered him. He doesn't have the demon's voice. When I was a kid, I almost questioned if this was Bruce Kulick or somebody else doing the vocals because it didn't really sound like Gene to me. Um, and so me being yeah. a huge Gene fan and I like the demon character, I feel like Gene does not work well in this environment. Um, and I think some of the Paul songs, I, I just hate to say it, they're just ridiculous. Like Bang Bang You, I can't stand that song. And I don't I don't really like My Way. I don't like the keyboards. Uh, the, the sound is very thin. And, and what's weird is that I like Unmasked, and Unmasked has a very thin sound. So I don't want to judge Crazy Nights unfairly. Like how could I like Unmasked and not like Crazy Nights that much? But um, I don't know, man. It's like I like parts of Crazy Nights, but as a whole – I just think with some of weak, weak songs and the thin production and the keyboards and the non-demon voice, it's like if you mix everything together, it just kind of falls flat for me. So I'm sorry, man. I bought, This was like my second Kiss album that I bought. Like I, This was the first one I bought when it was released, and I think I didn't mind it at the time. But even as a kid, I remember not being really enthused about the song Crazy Nights. I thought that was kind of a cheesy song. So I don't know. For some reason, even even as a kid, this album didn't really – you know, register with me for some reason, but, but I do like parts of it. So can we, can we still be friends? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, oh, of course. Yeah, it, it's funny <laughs> you were saying about the, the, the sound as well. That the, what, What's really funny is if you listen to um, um, other albums that Ron Neverson produced around this time, they all sound exactly the same. Yeah. Yep. Like if, if you listen to, if you put crazy nights on and you put ultimate sin, Ozzy Osbourne on, it's literally the same drum sound. It's yep. the same guitar sound. You know, even the Europe album that he did, uh, the Out of This World album, it, it, he just has a sound. So, you know, he when he was working with, you know, rock bands, he would just have a go-to drum sound, a go-to go -to guitar sound, and, and all his albums kind of sound. So if you, if you love that sound, you'll love all those albums. But if you don't, which I can totally see why, because it, it was a totally watered down, you know. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, they were trying to go for hit singles. You know, they were trying to get on the radio and, and, um, you know, so he was going for that kind of safe sort of, you know, um, non-threatening, you know, sound, I guess. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it didn't really work out for him, did it? Because no. <laughs> they kind of waited for two years to work with him. 
And he didn't really, um, I mean, the biggest hit was, like I said, over here in the UK. I think I think he went platinum, I think. But, so I think it was an improvement on Asylum. But yeah. I think they were kind of really uh, expecting. I, I'm, I, I've got to say, I think Reason to Live should have been a, a you know, he would have given that song to heart. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a number one song, you know. Um, and I think that if that song would have been a hit, then I think the album probably would have, like most bands did, you know, you have a big ballad then that's what blows your album up and, and sells the, you know, the, the copies. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't really happen, happen for them, did it? I think a lot of people just couldn't get their head around Kiss selling out to kind of the Bon Jovi sound, really. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, mixed opinions there, mate. Definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was bound to happen. We were, we were spot on with most of the other ones. All right, so I think we've, we've got to come to some kind of common ground maybe on this one. Hot in the Shade, what do you got for your rating? I'm I'm coming in at number three with Hot in the Shade. Okay. Um, this, this one, this one, um, uh, yeah, number three for me. Uh, this one I got straight after um, Smashes, Flashes, and Hits. So this is an early Kiss album for me. And um, <clears throat> I remember as a kid thinking I, I don't like it as much as Crazy Nights, but I really liked it nonetheless. Uh, and I, I still think that uh, today. You know, I think it was there was t- way too many songs on the yeah. album. Yeah which I think everybody, everybody says, you know, 15 songs was, I think they could have done a really good 12, 11, 12 track album, got rid of some of the Gene, a couple of the Gene songs, even though I think there's quite, there's some really good Gene stuff on mm-hmm. it. And I think this is one of the, the, the albums where he kind of, I think he kind of like got back on board with the Kiss thing because I was actually looking at this the other day that there's an equal amount of Paul and Gene songs on this. I think there's seven Paul, seven Gene, and then there's the uh, the Eric Carr song, um, but I like this album. Um, you know, it's very a much more kind of back to basic sound again. Yep. You know, they didn't use a producer, so I guess they were thinking, well, you know, we tried the big hit producer, it didn't work. So why would we spend all that money on Bob Rock or whatever? If he didn't work with Crazy Nights, he's probably not going to work with this. So they kind of went ahead and just produced it themselves again. And I think the overall sound of the album. I don't think it's as good, you know, some, there's, they're using drum machines yeah. on a few songs here and there. But I think overall, it's just more of a, just a straight ahead, you know, kick-ass rock album. I think there's some, you know, I love Silver Spoon, um, but Hide Your Heart's a brilliant song, King of Hearts is great. Um, and, and there's still, for me, there's still a couple of songs on the album that, that kind of, even though they, they're not produced with all the all the keys and stuff, but there's a couple of songs that do kind of have that crazy night sound. Yeah, you know, I think Hide Your Heart probably could have made Crazy Nights, and um, you love um, Love Me to Hate You is kind of in that kind of style. But then they're doing stuff like you know Rise to It and 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 um, the Gene stuff on this. I think is great. You know, Street Street Givers, Street Takers Away, and um, there's a lot of cool Gene stuff on this as well. So. Uh, I actually, I really like. It. I think this is a really underrated, underrated Kiss album. You know, How about you? What, yeah. Where do you rank it? Yeah, I put it at three, same as you. Um, and I think that people, a lot of people, can't stand this album. They, they bag on it on the internet, but I think it's great. I think uh, this is once again great singles, three great singles, and and for here, I don't know how it was over in the UK, but Forever was like. I don't know, top 10, top 20 or something like that. So they had a big song with Forever, and it's a great song. Yeah, Hide Your Heart. I just think the singles are awesome. And you're right, there's a little too many songs. Um, there's the drum machine thing I'm not a big fan of. But this album overall has more balls than, than Crazy Nights. It's Like you said, it's a straight-up rock album. And I think, once again, even Gene's song, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell, Street Giveth, Street Taketh Away, uh, Prisoner of Love, I, I like all those songs. And... I must say, I saw this was the first time I ever saw Kiss was for this tour. So kind of what we we're talking about before. That sometimes the tour gives you a different vibe about the album. And I mean, the tour had the freaking Sphinx on the stage, and he was shooting lasers out of his mouth and his eyes, and he was blowing smoke out of his nose. I mean, it was it was so cool, man. I, I mean, I love that concert and I love this album. So kind of it's all kind of one and the same for me. So I give I give it a three. Yeah, that's. I'd love to say. I mean, that, that the Heart in the Shade tour never. I don't think the Heart in the Shade tour ever, ever left the states. I think it was just. It certainly never came to the to mm-hmm. Europe. Um, but what was funny about the 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 Heart in the Shade tour is that the the, I think the album came out um, sort of. I think it was October '89, and I don't think the tour started. So I think the following May because 
um, the album was bombing. You know, it wasn't doing anything. Yep. And then you had the big. It wasn't a hit. It wasn't a hit in England. It didn't do anything. But I know you guys, like you said, you had the big hit with Forever, which then sort of you know gave them a massive hit. And that's when you went out on tour. And I remember seeing you know all the all the amazing because um, he used to have like two really cool support bands with them, didn't they? You know, whether it was yeah. Winger or, or Danger Danger or Faster Pussycat and all these. It was a good lineup, wasn't it? You know, oh, yeah. kind of Kiss plus two, two really good opening acts. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a lot of DVDs from this tour and uh, it, it looks incredible. You know, the whole Leon, the, the Sphinx thing. And yeah, man. And I think as well, I think um, just the set list on that tour was just, Incredible. Yes. You, you know, the, like the, the ultimate kind of kiss set list, really, um, on the Hot in the Shade tour. Yeah, you're, you're spot on because I'll never forget um, my one of my best friends and I were so hyped to see Kiss for this tour. And then they had initially said they weren't going to tour for this album. And like you said, it could be because of the sales or whatever. And I just remember, I remember we were so mad. I think we wanted to write a letter to Kiss or something and blast him. I don't think we ever did. You know, if we would have had Twitter, we could have blasted him immediately and they could have seen it. But um, I remember being really upset about it. But thank God the tour did happen. And when I saw him, it was Little Caesar and Slaughter. And we actually met Little Caesar. We were we were uh, poking around, back, you know, where the buses were. We were trying to meet Kiss. But we did meet Little Caesar and they were very cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, once again, first Kiss uh. concert and... I think, and you could probably relate to this, at the time, okay, when we're in the 80s and the early 90s, we were kind of thinking like, uh, you know, this is pretty cool, but, you know, it's not as cool as maybe the 70s or the 60s were. But now when you, all these years later, and you see these young kids, I mean, there's young kids that would have killed to see Kiss in the 80s. Or there's young kids that are obsessed with all this 80s music. I mean, we grew up in a killer time, man. One of the one of the best eras of music, one of the best movements in music. I mean, you don't, you didn't realize that at the time, though, you know, but it's really amazing. Oh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I'm slightly kind of uh, not quite as fortunate as you because, you know, in the UK, it was it a was very different story uh, to how it was in the States. So I would, I would have to live vicariously through Metal Edge magazine. <laughs> so I would be, you know, see, I, I'm reading about all this stuff going on in America. Um, whereas in the UK, we, we would only really get the really big bands, you know, that, that would, you know, obviously Bon Jovi would come over, Motley Crue, um, you know, Kiss, you know, came over, for, you know, many times, but, um, but like I said, they didn't, they didn't come over. They came over on the Crazy Nights tour, um, but that was really, um, you know, they, they were playing really, they were playing like 3,000 mm-hmm. seat halls, you know, they were, they were playing really small places and then they uh, completely missed the UK. Um, and then came back on the uh, on the Revenge tour. So, uh, but I, that's of all the tours, um, the Hot in the Shade tour is the one that I would have liked to have seen the most. So, uh, I'm jealous, Mike. I'm jealous. <laughs> when did you first see them live? Um, on the Revenge, on the Revenge tour. Okay. Which was uh, because um, the, the first time they came to the UK uh, after I kind of discovered them. So it was eight, eight seven Crazy Nights tour. So it was. Uh, I think it was September 88, and uh, I really wanted to go, um, but my, my parents wouldn't, wouldn't let me go. Yeah, we were young, man. Um, we were young at that point. Yeah, I was, you know, 11 years old, um, so I, I, I didn't see the Crazy Nights tour. Um, like I said, they skipped the Hot and Shade tour, um, but by the time the Revenge came around, which was, um, they actually started the Revenge tour uh, in, in the UK. They, they came over in May uh, of 92, I think the, the Revenge Tour didn't start in the States till about October, but they came over and did, um, I think it was about like eight shows in the UK with uh, Danger Danger nice. uh, opening for them. So uh, that was my first Kiss show. So, um, and again, what a, you know, that was an incredible show as well, you know, with the, uh, and what was cool um, with, with that was um, because, you know, over, over here in the UK, they weren't playing the huge venues that they were playing in, in the states um they they didn't bring the whole statue of liberty stage show so they brought that they brought with them kind of like a a smaller version of the hot in the shade uh stage show okay so they brought the 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 uh they brought leon he didn't he wasn't quite as impressive as the, the stuff i've seen <laughs> in the states he he just kind of sat at the back of, he, he didn't look at his mouth didn't open and he, and he, didn't, he wasn't shooting lasers and stuff but, oh shit uh it was still kind of like a, almost like a a, a kind of a, a, a watered down version of the US show, um, which they actually used for the Revenge tour. So uh, 
kind of again a little bit of uh, even more useless, useless information. For <laughs> oh, you. We're, we're both full so of I it. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so like, I kind of saw a little bit of the hot in the shade thing, but not like the full thing. But okay. Um, so yeah. So for me, it was it was revenge. So 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 again, you saw them like a tour before me. So okay. uh, yeah. Now let's talk about the album. Where do you rank revenge? <laughs> I already know what you rank. Uh, just say it. Yeah, we're, we're going to flip flop here. Revenge yep. is coming in at number six for me. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one um, because I remember buying Revenge the, the, the day it came out and just instantly just not really liking it. And it, it's kind of you know I still feel the same way about you know some albums kind of over the years sort of grow on you a little bit. But I actually listened to this actually not that long ago because some, some, somebody bought bought me. Um, bought me it on vinyl and I thought you know what I'm going to put it back on and I'm going to listen with an open mind and maybe you know maybe I was wrong maybe I kind of you know misjudged it or whatever but I still feel the same about it you know to me um, and it's nothing to do with the fact that obviously yeah I'm a big pop metal fan and I like the keyboards and all that stuff it wasn't the fact that they went heavier and went tougher because I absolutely love Creatures of the Night like Creatures of the Night is probably you know it's up, I mean, it's definitely in my top five Kiss albums. I, I love Creatures, which is, again, a really tough, tough, heavy, probably heavier than Revenge in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but I, the difference is I really like all the songs on Creatures of the Night. And Revenge, to me, it's just, like, it, it's just riff-tastic. There's, you know, the, the riffs are great, but there's melodies and hooks for me aren't really... I'm really there on this one. I think I think Unholy is brilliant. I yep. mean, it's such a, a killer Gene song. That was kind of like probably Gene's best song since, you know, even though he didn't write it, but, you know, it was kind of like a God of Thunder, like a new God of Thunder for Gene. Yep. Yep. Um, and I think Take It Off is an incredible Paul song. But for me, that's it on the on this album. You know, I, 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 I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it when I was a kid. Still can't get into it now. And, uh, I, I, you know, and I know again, it's it's when you ask Kiss fans, this is always after Destroyer. This is probably most Kiss fans' favorite album, and I just didn't like. I didn't like the the sound of the album. Um, I thought that, like I said, I thought the look was great. You know, I thought uh, Gene looked badass, and you know, the whole the image thing I thought was great. You know, I I really bought into that. But for me, yeah, it's just just not melodic enough for me. You know, that's kind of it's just more more of a kind of a riffy album. And I think sometimes when you, you know, I know, you know, from, from writing songs myself, that if you start, if, if songs are really riffy, there's usually not that much place for melodies because yep. it's either one or the other. You know, True. it's either the songs are a little bit simpler and it's really melodic or the other way around. So if you're doing a lot of riffs and there's not really that much space for kind of like the hooks and the melodies. So I don't know. So, yeah, that's kind of where we kind of, got the, the the opposite end of the uh the scale with these two albums don't we yeah so, uh, i'm taking it this is your number one Mike. Yeah, yeah this is my number one if we only did 80s my number one would have been asylum but since we brought this one into the mix i was kind of opposed to bringing this one into the mix because i because i just i did i wasn't sure where to go with it but i have to put it at number one and i'm going to explain why for me gene has always been my favorite member i love that demon sound and that demon character and this is this is gene's shining moment man unholy is an incredible song domino's got a lot of cool attitude thou shall not spit i love those songs i i think gene's totally on target and you're right there's a lot of cool riffs the, it sounds like a band again playing real music and i think that's the key part that why kiss fans like it it doesn't sound like 70s kiss nobody's gonna come in and tell me it sounds like 70s kiss but it's got the attitude of 70s Kiss to an extent. You know what I mean? It sounds more raw. It's not overproduced. It's not drum machines. You know what I mean? So that's what I like about it. Once, but I will say this. Paul, for me, what, like I said before, when he's doing a metal, metallic album or a heavier album, he's out of his element. And I really love Heart of Chrome. But other than that, I don't really like many of the Paul songs. So to me, this is a Gene album, just like I think Creatures of the Night is a Gene album. I think that's yeah. you know they, they they he drives certain albums and when he does those are the albums that I gravitate to and I also think the guitar playing is killer I think 
uh, Bruce is totally in the zone here because, you know, like you said, he's trying to do the Eddie Van Halen stuff, but he's still tasteful. At this point, all that shit's just thrown out the window, and he's playing very tasteful, very melodic, a lot of attitude. And Eric Singer, man, you know, I think he, I love Eric Carr. I kind of wish Eric Carr would have lived to be on Revenge because I think Eric Carr deserved another really cool album to go crazy on. But, you know, that's just life. That's the way it happened. Unfortunately, he passed away. But, Eric Singer, man, he was on fire. I mean, he brought some, I mean, you saw that tour. I mean, he really brought some energy to those songs again. And, um, oh, he, he, yeah, he was incredible. He was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why I like that one. So I, I know it's not perfect. It's, it, there's, there's some songs that aren't incredible, but I think the spirit is what I like about it. And, and like I said, and key songs. And I think it's got some of their best video. I think, I think Unholy is one of their best videos. I mean, just that dark imagery. It, it's so cool, man. I just felt like Kiss is back. And it was the perfect timing. Kiss couldn't have done the asylum thing in 1992. They had to, you know, once again, and you could rationalize that Kiss is following trends, you know. Kiss isn't stupid. They knew like Metallica and all this stuff was out, Pantera. Kiss can't be Metallica and Pantera, but they can be a heavier version of themselves. So I just think the whole thing works for the time and and for what what the band had gone through previously. I just I just I love it, man. I can't help it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think you you've hit the nail on the head again with the the, the um it, it was like like Crazy Nights was a calculated move to to kind of do a Bon Jovi album. This was a totally calculated move as well, you know, to yeah. kind of because they saw what was going on and with all the grunge stuff and so yeah, I mean they they totally kind of this was thought out, you know, long before they did it, you know. Yeah. Um, but this, this tour, like I said, I mean, uh, they, 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 the set list during this tour was great as well. This was, you know, it was up there, not quite as good as the, the Hot in the Shade set list, but it was, it was still pretty cool. You know, they were still playing a lot of kind of like deep cuts off albums and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, they, they were on fire. On this tour, they were just absolutely killing it. So here's the, uh, the big final question. We talked about a lot of different players, a lot of different lineups. What's the best lineup of Kiss out of this era? Oh, it's, it's got to be for me. It's it's got to be um, yeah. Obviously, Paul, Gene, Bruce, and Eric Carr for me. Um, even though um, I think Eric Singer is a, an incredible drummer and uh, and probably plays the songs a little bit. I don't know. I, Eric definitely. Eric Carr definitely played everything a little bit too fast. Yeah. Um, but I guess that was kind of, that was, that was something, again, it's in Paul's book, that it was kind of, it wasn't just that he played fast, it was they, they actually discussed how, you know, the, the, they, they kind of seemed to think that if you play a song faster, it makes them sound heavier, it was, which kind of, it's a little bit silly really, but it was kind of an actual, you know, it was thought out, it was rehearsed, that the songs would all be sped up a lot. Um, so I think at times Eric plays a little bit, bit, little bit too, too fast. But I think just his character as well. He mm-hmm. just seemed like such a, you know, so devoted to his fans. And he seemed out of all the Kiss members, he seemed to be the guy that loved being in Kiss more than anybody else. You know, mm-hmm. when you think of like, you know, how Vinnie Vincent was in Kiss, and you know, the, the, the players that have come and gone. Um, Eric Carr seemed to be the one that. I don't know, his heart seemed to be in it more than any other member of KISS for me, you know. So uh so yeah, I, I would go with uh I would go with um that lineup. Yep. I'm taking it you're gonna go with the revenge lineup. No, right? no, no, no. I agree with you hundred percent. Um that that is oh, the cool. that is the best uh non makeup lineup for sure. Th- those are the guys that just fit the best. And I think overall just had the the best overall output had had the most output. Yeah, no, I agree 100. percent Those that that was Kiss to me. That was the first Kiss that I ever was exposed to musically. So, man, I'm right with you. Yeah, that, I mean, to me, there's only there's only there's 70s Kiss with Ace and Peter, and then there's there's 80s Kiss with Eric Carr and Bruce, and and you know that's to me that they're the only two lineups for me really. Awesome, man. Well, we got through them all. I think for the most part, we're on the same wavelength, maybe just for those two albums, but, but even probably on all, on those, we could see the, the pros and, you know, we could see the pros and cons of all of them. So I got in, um, I'll just give you my top, uh, top six again. So it was, it, I, I came in at uh, Crazy Nights was number one, number two, Asylum, number three, Heart in the Shade, number four, Animalize, number five, Lick It Up, and number six, Revenge. Okay. So, so what, what was yours? I again? was uh, Revenge was one, Asylum two, 
Hot in the Shade 3, Lick It Up 4, Animal Eyes 5, Crazy Night 6. So a lot of ours were, were right on target with each other. Yeah, very similar, very similar. We, we, we've got good taste, Mike. That's oh, yeah, we is. definitely do, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, this was a blast. I really appreciated uh, talking Kiss with you. Like I said, you know, 80s Kiss doesn't get enough love, I think, from people in general. And like I said, there's so many great songs and tours and looks. So much to talk about on it, for sure. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show, man. It's been been a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I always love talking about Kiss, so uh, it's, it's been great. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, man, and lots of luck with Midnight City in 2021. Yeah, look out for it. All right, Rob. Take care, man. Have a good day. Cheers, Mike. Well, that was a fun episode with Rob. Remember, you can subscribe on YouTube so you never miss an episode, and you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Rock on!